Well, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. That's the series we're in, and we're kind of hitting the hip parade of those fruit of the Spirit, those elements we need to work on. Last week, Laura talked about patience, and that was a great one to start off with, because Lord knows we need lots of patience, don't we, in this busy, busy world? Today, we're going to take the next off the hip parade list and talk about faithfulness. Probably another thing we need to talk about as a society and as even a church. First, let me read our passage in Galatians 5, 23 to 23. Today, I'm going to read from the message version, Eugene Peterson's message, the message. Again, this is Galatians 5, 23 through 23. But what happens when you live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, which the same way that fruit appears in an orchard, things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love this uh, paraphrase that Eugene Peterson has put together in this passage for a couple reasons. First of all, let me just mention, I love how he starts out the passage when he says that uh, we, when we, what happens when we live God's way? That's how he starts that whole passage. What happens when we live God, God's way? Well, what's that in contrast to? If you read back a few verses in chapter 5 there, Paul lists a bunch of things that are not living in God's way. They're the opposite of living in the Spirit. Those things are jealousy, quarreling, outbursts of anger, fits of rage. Those things, and the list goes on and on of things that are not of God. But then he switches gears and he says, but these things are the things of God, the things of the Spirit. And those are the things we're talking about. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I also love how he talks and he describes faithfulness. The way he interprets it is loyal commitment. Now, the first time I thought of that, I thought, that is kind of like redundant, isn't it? That's kind of... It's like he's kind of saying the same thing twice, right, you know? And, but the more I thought about it, I thought, that's great because it kind of doubles it up. It gives it this idea of a commitment that's enduring, it's loyal, it's there, and it's holding on for everything. And when I was thinking about loyal, I was thinking, hmm, what example could I give of loyalty? What's a good loyalty? And the first thing I thought of, of my dog, Champ. That's our, that's our dog. Unfortunately, Champ uh, passed away uh, last year, but he, he gave us almost 12 great years and it was, it was our family pet. And um, many of you have family pets, especially dogs. If you have a dog, you know that there's nothing beats the loyalty of a dog, does it? Especially Champ was a winner. We, we were gifted him uh, years ago. He, he comes from a line of champion field dogs. And we got him for free because he happened to be uh, the runt of the litter, had some medical problems, and they couldn't sell him for what their purpose was because of that. And they, some friends of ours were breeders, and one day they were going through the park with the puppy. They were smart. They knew how to give away a dog. They were walking around the park, and we happened to be there at a soccer game. And they go, oh, look at this puppy, you know, and my girls are there. And as soon as they started petting, he's like, oh, ding, ding, we're done, you know. We just got a dog. Uh, but fortunately, he was a really smart dog, and, 
At the time, I was in youth and college ministry, and so I was gone a lot of nights, and so Jana had, had the responsibility of taking him to obedience training, and they made a special, special bond, especially since Champ was in the litter for a long, long time, longer than normal, and so he kind of transferred from one mommy to another, plus the, over the obedience training. So wherever Jana went, you know, that's where Champ would... I'd give Champ a command, and he would kind of look at me and go, mm, maybe, you know. <laughs> loyal to you, maybe. Her, I'm loyal. Um, they used to go running together. They were running partners for years, and he was a little short little dog. He was a little English springer, and, you know, he was running as fast as he could. Um, and when someone ever came to the door, he did the loyalty check to the door. Who was the door? When the doorbell rang. He would start barking. We'd have to hold him back. He sounded like this big, ferocious dog, but, you know, he's all of, you know, 40-some-odd pounds or something. And um, he would be barking and barking and barking, and we'd try to hold him back, but we'd open the door, and he'd run out and do circles around somebody and do the, the friend test, right, you know, give him a sniff. And if they were a friend, they, he would come back in and nod to us and say, okay, he's okay, she's okay, you know. But if... He was suspicious. You better jump back because Champ would find a way to mark you in some way. I won't say how that was. That happened twice, by the way. And I just say both times we agreed with Champ. Yeah, you're right, Champ. That guy, you know, so. so he was a smart, smart dog. But man, this loyalty, you know. So when we think of loyalty, we think of that, right? You know, that, that dog, that's, he was always there to protect the girls. And we loved that. You know, that barking thing was annoying. But when the girls got older and we were leaving by themselves... We loved the fact that he would bark his head off when someone would come to the door because we knew they would think twice, you know, if anybody was there who shouldn't have been there. But even the loyalty of a dog is, only can go so far, can it? I mean, it's great that we can have a pet that we can comfort us and can be there for us always. But those things in life, there's some things that a dog can't accomplish, can there? And even as human beings... Um, we don't always live up to that test. Proverbs 26 says, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Wow, ouch. That hurts, doesn't it? Speaks right to the na- our, our true nature in that oftentimes we don't live up to where we should be. And so when we're talking about this kind of loyalty and commitment, we're talking about one that's beyond just the normal standards you think of loyalty, even of a loyal pet. Paul uses a Greek word called, it's called pistis is the, the Greek word, and it's a secular word that means trustworthiness or fidelity. It gives a sense of a loyalty to people, a binding relationship that goes deep to the character of the person. And it's one that happens over and over and over again, and it's an enduring type of loyalty or faithfulness. And when Paul mentions and uses this word, it's in this book of Galatians. He's writing a letter to a church there in Galatia that's having some problems. Believe it or not, I know it's hard to believe, but a church was fighting over doctrine. I know it's hard to believe, right? It never happens. Uh, There's only been a few times in history that's happened. Okay. Um, But so he's writing to this church in Galatia that's having problems. And I think it's no coincidence that he is use those, all those words we were talking about of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Why? Because all those things are great for helping a group get along. You need all those things in the soup to help people get along and, get, and develop those things in their lives. Yes, it's great as individuals in our daily life, but he was speaking to a specific group of people. And he was asking them to take on these characteristics 
Well, as we, as we look at this and, and what Paul was trying to accomplish, he was trying to basically for them to get along. And oftentimes when we talk about church, we kind of put it in the same category as other organizations, other civic organizations. But when I talk to people, I really try to explain what the church really is. It's more like an organism than an organization. It's more like this living and breathing thing that molds and changes. Why? Because we are living life together. We are in, if church is done right, we're intertwined together, right? We're getting involved in each other's lives and ministering to each other. And it's more like an organism than an organization. And then what made me think about this then is thinking back to Laura's sermon last week when she gave us our mission statement at the very beginning of her sermon. And when it says, Bee Creek UMC is a community where imperfect people are transformed by the perfect love of God and change the world together. And we talk a lot, and Laura mentioned this last week, about being imperfect. We all know that. We've been around each other for five minutes. We realize that, right? And we, we love talking about changing the world here. We're all about changing the world. And we're talking a lot about transformation. We need that, don't we? But I want to camp on that first word, community. And then... And all that phrase, that one word speaks a lot. We are first and foremost a community. Yes, we are all those other things, and yes, we accomplish those other things, but it all starts in community together. And if we're going to be in community together, we have to all play our part. We all have to be faithful, loyal, and committed to this work we call church. Paul, later on in another book in 1 in Corinthians, he describes what the church is like. He describes it like a body. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18 to 26, he says, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants. How, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts require special care. So God has put this body together with extra honor and care to give to those parts that are less dignified. This all makes for harmony among the members, that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it, and one part is honored, all the parts are glad. So we are this great body, the church. We are a body that all play our part. Some of us are the hands, some of us the eyes, the feet, the heart, the head. We all make up this great body that works together as one. And when those parts of the body don't play their part, the body does not run and function like it should. We all have to be faithful, loyally committed to play our part for the body of Christ to function as it should. Um, well, I'm blessed with a really great wife. If you've ever met my wife, Jana, she sings up here a lot. She's not here in this service today. I... Where did you come in? Were you... When, were you, when did you come in? That's sneaky. Wow. I was like, you weren't there for the first half of the service. Huh? I'm slow, but not that slow. Anyway. 
Okay, my wife, Jana, have you met her? Stand up and wave, Jana. That's my wife, Jana, by the way. Okay. I've said, I've said it often, and I truly mean it. I married up. I know I did. Um, but, you know, Jana's family has a great testimony. Um, Jana grew up in a small church in Salem, Oregon that was a true community church, and a church called Northgate, and this part of uh, Salem, Oregon, where it just totally ministered to the community around it. But they didn't always go there. Her parents didn't grow up going to church and grandparents, and they didn't have this legacy of going to church until her and her brother started going to children's ministry activities at the church, children's ministry outreach type events, and started getting hooked into the neighborhood church. And then from there, um, people reached out to her family to bring them to the church. Well, I tell this to tell this, that by chance, that happened to be the first church I ever ministered into for a few years, was her home church. That was my first ministry assignment. And when I was there, I got to hear all these stories about how they came into the church. And two guys specifically, Gary and Daryl, who have been faithfully ministering in this church for years and years and years, made a visit to her dad, Tom, and uh, to try to welcome him into the church. And they, it's a hilarious story, and it's, I, we don't have time for it, but basically picture my father-in-law there in just basically shorts and a, you know, his undershirt and basically not giving these guys really the time of day. And uh, I think even... I'll just go that far. That's all I'm going to go. Anyway, <laughs> um, but this is a great story of how... These faithful men of God reached out to her family, and they came in, and they came to faith, with, faith in Christ. And it totally changed the trajectory of their family. Would you say that's true? And they got involved in church, and then they got involved and loyal and faithful to that church and ministered the next generation. Her dad was a Sunday school teacher for the youth back before they had a youth ministry and a youth pastor like me to come in. But he was it, you know. And to this day, you can talk to her friends, and they still talk about Tom, her dad, and they see him as a father figure. See, it's kind of this paying it forward kind of idea. Those friends, Gary and Daryl, reached out to Tom. Tom is then involved. Now, those gentlemen are are old and retired and have moved, moved literally out of the neighborhood in their retirement years. But the next generation now has taken up the mantle and is faithfully ministering that community and repeating the process. They are playing their part in the body of Christ so that the work of the kingdom can take place. And that's the same call for each and every one of us here today, is to be involved. Yes, it's on a personal one-on-one level in our lives as we come across those that we minister to, but it also happens right here in just the formal functions of our church. As I look out here in the congregation, I, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir a little bit because you guys are a faithful church. I'll, I'll be honest with you, you're the most involved church I have ever been in, and I'm so proud to be a part of this church. So I say this, first of all, just to encourage you to keep on keeping on because you don't know who you're ministering to or what family trajectory you're changing. When I'd be, I'd be careful here if I start listing ministries, but I'm going to give a few examples of Stephen Ministers, you inspire me. The amount of hours you have to put in in training is phenomenal. You put hours upon hours in and meet weekly with people, but you're changing people's lives. Those of you who are ushers and greeters, you may think it's just a simple little thing, 
that you're handing a bulletin and smiling, but you don't know the tone you're setting for someone, the first-time visitor, to come and hear about the grace and mercy of God. Hospitality ministry, I'm thankful for you. You keep us all caffeinated, right? (laughs) So thank you for that. Yes, thank you. I'll give a round of applause for that. There's so many different things. When you financially give, you're faithful in your giving, you're empowering ministries. For like the preschool example that was given earlier, we're reaching out to those who don't have the means to come and be involved in preschool, and they're hearing about the God who loves them. When we're faithful in our worship attendance, we're testifying to each other that, hey, we're in this together. I'm going to be here sitting beside you, and we're going to do this thing called life and and finding more about our relationship with God. Faithful, loyal, and committed. That's what we're called to be. So my question is simply for you today. If you're, if you're not involved, how can you get more involved in helping and being a, that faithful person who comes and helps and ministers to those who are yet not involved here or already here as part of our body who needs someone to reach out to them? How can you be more involved? And for those of you who are already committed Probably more hours than you should be. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being faithful. God is honoring your efforts, and you are changing lives. Let's pray. So God, thank you so much, first of all, that you've given this place that you, we can call our home church, that you've allowed us different ways and means that we can minister to others. Holy Spirit, my prayer is that you truly empower us and that people can be, see the testimony, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, that we are walking, talking testimonies of faithfulness. I pray, dear God, you would help us to be more like Christ in every way that we live and in everything we do. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts to take communion even now, Spirit, come and examine our hearts and our minds and help us to be more faithful people of God. In Jesus' name, amen.